Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. How's everybody? Good? Awesome. I love being here. I love waking up Sunday mornings and going to church. And I've said this a thousand times, whether I was the pastor or not, this would be my home church because I love what God is up to in our community. And he is doing great things because of you. How awesome is that? And so here's a couple things. Good Friday. It is something new. We've had some people say, what is Stations of the Cross? It's an actual experience where you get to walk around and go through the Gospels of the different events that took place from really the beginning of Holy Week to, to the whole idea of, of the Last Supper all the way through the cru crucifixion. We're also going to have a prayer team in the back to really spend some time praying. It's a great opportunity for you to engage with, with the Holy Spirit, with one another, and with your families. If you have little kids... I would encourage you to come between three and five. Megan will be here helping give better instructions, more detailed instructions for families with little children. And of course, the Easter egg hunt. Who's excited? Come on, just get a little excited. If you have children, you need to bring them. Amen? I mean, there are going to be hundreds of kids and it's going to be overwhelming after Good Friday. And then I have to wake up Easter Sunday, but it's gonna be a good day. We're excited. So how awesome do we have the privilege to say the name of Jesus? How awesome is that? Say it with me. Jesus. Jesus. Come on. Jesus. Jesus. You can say it a little louder. Jesus. Jesus. If you're new here, you're thinking they are a cult, right? <laughs> we are not. I promise you. But the reason why I say that is, is that we have so many international workers throughout our world who don't have the privilege to say this out loud. They are meeting in people's homes right now, in small groups of people, just hiding and worshiping Jesus together so that they can go into their cities and into the villages and make Jesus known. Let's not take the privileges we have to worship together, to declare Jesus together for granted. Amen? Amen. Amen. So. How many of you are watching the basketball tournament? Give me, raise your hand, right? Come on, that, that's it? No one else is watching the basketball tournament, really? Go FDU, Fairleigh Dickinson University. They made, made it past the first round. FAU, it made it to the, to, to the Sweet 16. Seriously, the Elite Eight? Who would have thought some of these teams? It's one of the most bizarre basketball tournaments of, right now, of really historically for the NCAA tournament. Now, so often when it comes to sporting events, the Super Bowl, right, the NBA playoffs, March Madness, golf, whatever it is, there's the question of who is the GOAT, right? What does the GOAT mean? Everyone tell me. The what? The greatest of all time, right? The greatest quarterback, say it out loud. Okay, there's a bunch of different ones you all think, right? Right? Greatest basketball player. Ooh, that's a lot of Jordan in here. Wow, no LeBron? Seriously? I think LeBron's the best. Sorry, right? What about this, the greatest coach? Think about the greatest coach, both professionally and college. And then you think, here's the big one. I want to hear your greatest of all time. Favorite rock band. Wait, on the count of three, say your favorite rock band. One, two, three. 
three, Led Zeppelin. Whoa, did I say that? Favorite rock band, Metallica. Someone just said Metallica, right? But think about this. We all have a goat, right? There's things in our lives that we think about the goat. So what about your favorite human being? Who's the greatest of all time? Mine? Jesus. Okay, good, right? Of course, it better be Jesus, right? You're here this morning, right? Right? I got to be honest. My goat sitting in the front row. What's up, lady? I love you, right? She's my greatest of all time. And of course, Jesus is too, of course. But why am I bringing this up? It's because we have this desire to be great, right? Remember the, the, the New Jersey way to say amen is uh-huh, right? Give me an uh-huh, right? The, we all have a desire to be great. We all want to be great. We want to be the best at what we do. But here's what the real question is. When we want to say that we want to be great, we want to be the best self God has created us. Amen? I really think when we really get down to it that, that the gifts and talents that God has given us, and when we talk about that we want to be the greatest of all time and who God has created us to be, we're really saying, God, we want to live out the fullness of life that you have for us. But there's a problem. What the world talks about greatness and what Jesus talks about greatness are two different things. And so what we do is we have blinded, blinded greatness by the world's standards. Rather than actually seeing what Jesus defines as greatness. And so what we're going to do this morning as we are leading up to Easter, we're going to look at a conversation the disciples had as to who was the greatest, because they had everything upside down. And what Jesus wanted to do is turn their perspective and their understanding right side up. And during this whole little mini-series, that's our vision. That's our goal, is that the things that have been defined as upside down, Jesus would turn them right side up, because Jesus is the GOAT. And if we ever want to live the fullness of life that God has created, uh, created for us, we must follow the goat. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. And God, I ask you just for a good morning. I ask you for a fresh word. God, my prayer this morning as I met with you was that, that you would speak that which you need to speak to your people. God, for this first service, this crowd. For the second service, that crowd. For West Milford, that crowd. May we have the sensitivity as we preach through the word of God to have the sensitivity to the truth you are speaking and the audience that we are delivering it to. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just say this. That's one of the things that I love about having two different services is the ability to see what's going on in the room and being able to really speak to this crowd this morning. So none of these, none of these sermons are canned. None of these are scripted. This is exactly for what Jesus and the Holy Spirit want to speak right now. Amen? Let's read this. Matthew chap Mark chapter 9, verse 30 through 32. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there. Now stop right there. That's not the norm. That's not the norm. And there's a reason why. 
Jesus always wanted people to know that he was there. But things are about to shift. And he was going to go into a a place of, of seclusion for a little bit in preparation for what was next. For he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed. But three days later, he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying. However, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. So let's talk a little bit about the background. Mark chapter 9. We are about to get to the whole passages of Holy Week. When you look at Mark chapter 8 and Mark chapter 9, there's a shift in the gospel of Mark. Up until chapter 8, it's all about power encounter. It's all about healing and deliverances and teachings. And Jesus is traveling back and forth from the Jewish community to the Gentile community to the Jewish community to the Gentile community. I've said this many times. When you watch the route of Jesus, it's almost like a big figure eight. He just keeps going back and forth, back and forth. He's traveled through Galilee many, many times. And we're going to see on Easter Sunday that that Galilee is a very important place. But as they were traveling, Jesus told them again for the second time. Now, if you were here last week, we saw in chapter 8 that he told the disciples the very same thing. I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. And so Jesus was constantly bringing clarity to the mission that God had called him to. And you look at chapter 8, and you look at chapter 9, and this is very close proximity of timing. And so in other words, it's the end of Jesus' ministry And he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he wanted to make sure that as everything starts to unfold, that there is a clarity for the disciples that when these things start happening, that it's brought back to their memory that, wow, Jesus told us this. And he told us the succession of how it was going to happen. So, think about this. When you have something big in your life, as a parent, as a person, in your career, and you know something is soon approaching, you tell those who need to know that information, you always tell them multiple times. Always. Hey kids, Christmas is coming. Make sure you buy presents for one another, right? Hey, kids, your brother's birthday is happening in a month. Get ready. That Sunday afternoon, we are having lunch together, right? We tell people that which we value most because we want them to value it as well. And Jesus never tried to hide anything. Again, we talked about that last week. He never hid his identity. Yes, there was a season that he said, don't tell anyone yet, yet, because it was all going to come to fruition, because people were recognizing who he was. But Jesus knows very, very shortly that he needs time with his disciples, 
He needs to prep them for what was going to happen so that they would be ready for the magnitude of the crisis in his life and in their life that they were all going to go through. Think about this. If you knew that you had a short time to live, who would you spend your time with? Is that a great question? If you knew that you had limited time in a certain area, or think about someone who's going to move away. Our daughter and son-in-law and little grandbaby moved away back in November. And we only had a couple months. And I was so proud of them because in the midst of all the other people that they wanted to see, they made priority for us. Why? Because they value us. That was really powerful for us. So let's continue reading. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing, not talking, not discussing, arguing about which of them was the goat. Now, it doesn't say that in scripture. It says the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Let's talk about the conversation along the way. So, you would think after Jesus just dropped this bomb one more time, that they would want to be able to discuss how does what he's say, saying align with things that he has said in the past? How is what he is saying align with, with the prophetic calling of the Messiah? How is what he's saying going to affect us? But instead, they were arguing, not discussing that out of the 12, who was the greatest? Think about the ego that got in the way. Like, so if Jesus dies, who's taking his spot? Who's Messiah number two, right? Think about it. Like, if Jesus goes, who's the one that's going to step in and lead the charge? Because that's what they're saying. Out of all of us, excluding him because he's no longer going to be around, which is the greatest? And Jesus knows our hearts, just like he knew their hearts. I hope a lot of you have been watching The Chosen. I really think it's a great depiction of the Gospels. I really do. And I love when you watch The Chosen because there are so many times that they're walking. All they do is they walk, right? They can eat anything because they walk everywhere, right? Everywhere they go, they walk. And you could see that the line went deeper and deeper and deeper. Because it wasn't just the 12. It wasn't just the 12. There were others that would have followed along. But Jesus knew their heart. And every time you wake up, Jesus knows your first thought. Every time you go to sleep, he knows your last thought. And every time you are dreaming or not dreaming, Jesus knows what's going on inside of each of us. That's why the psalmist says, examine my heart. Examine my heart. 
And, and I love how it says that they, they got to Capernaum. Now, this is very significant. Why is Capernaum significant? Because this was like a hub for Jesus' ministry. Some of the disciples was from Capernaum. Peter was from Capernaum. And I believe, like many commentators, that the house that they went to was probably Peter's. Why? Because Peter's wife and his mother-in-law, who Jesus had healed, remember that in the beginning of Mark, were probably extremely hospitable. And they would have kept it a secret. And so, this would have been the perfect place to really talk. And remember that the reason he was going to Capernaum was to spend some final time with his disciples. So let me ask you, where's, the fav- where's the, your most favorite room in your house where you have the most hardest conversations? Anyone have a room? Anyone? Mine is our record-playing room. We have a little record-playing room. We have two couches, our record player, our fish tank. And whenever we want to have discussion time, we go to that room. And Jesus went to a room, and this is what he did. Where is it? It's right here. He sat down. And he sat down because this was very rabbinic of him. Whenever a rabbi wanted to speak something deep into the heart of his learners, he would sit down and discuss. Matter of fact, I don't know where we ever got the idea that when we preach, we should stand up. It's actually the opposite. Because when you look at what Jesus had done, every time he would have spoken, he would have sat down. Think about the feeding of the 6,000. Think about the feeding of the 4,000. Think about the masses. There probably was always a big rock. He would sit down because when he sat, he would say, I'm speaking this with authority. And if anyone's ever said, hey, come to my office, grab a seat. Is that a good day? <laughs> no, seriously. Is that a good day? Right? Right? So it's like, like literally, if your boss said, hey, I want to meet with you in a week and we're, we're going to meet in my office. And the first thing said, he or she said is, come, sit down. Let's talk. You either knew you were getting a promotion or you were what? Fired, right? And so he sits down with them. And, and I wonder, like, even when I think about this, I think about the idea of, like, why did these disciples think they were the greatest? And which one really thought they were the best, right? Peter, because Jesus said, like, on this rock I will build my church. That could really feed an ego, Right? What about John? Everyone knew that John and Jesus had like this special relationship. Like, hey, he's closer than me. He tells me things he doesn't tell anyone else, right? The greatest, right? What about Judas, right? He was a zealot. He would kill for Jesus. How sad is that? Because he was part of getting Jesus killed. And think about this too. You want to know why Judas probably thought he was the the most important? Because he collected the money. Jesus must really trust Judas. What about Nathaniel? Well, Jesus knew his heart. Remember he sat under the tree? And Jesus said, your heart is all about the kingdom. I saw you sitting under the tree. And your heart is all about the kingdom. And so there's this conversation. And Jesus stops them right away. And he says, let me tell you. 
what greatness looks like. But before we talk about what greatness looks like, I want us to think about the cost of greatness. Think about the cost of greatness. How are you the greatest at anything? The greatest at anything means that you are willing to sacrifice everything for that one thing, right? Everything for that one thing and anything that's going to stand in your way gets trampled on or eliminated, correct? Think about it. To be the greatest athlete, you have to eat, sleep that sport. You have to train and train properly. Practice does not make perfect. Bad practice causes really bad habits. You have to set yourself up. What about the musician? My son started playing guitar, and he's a Parker, so that means he compulses about everything. Amen? Right. That's what we do. And, and so he went from being like Hercules to literally Jimmy Page. Like he would work out in the gym three to five hours a day, and he just went, and now he's like Jimmy Page. He plays the guitar three hours a day, minimum. And he's doing things on the guitar that most people take five years to learn. Why? Because he wants to be the best. He's playing with a slide on his finger after six months. If you know anything about musicianship and guitar, that doesn't happen. But be the greatest as you play, you play, you play, you play, you play. Listen to what some of these musicians did for their life. What about at your career? To be the greatest means what? You're the first one there and you're the last one to go home, right? Anything to get you ahead and get you that promotion so you can be the best and you can make the most and you can find significance and you can find a place of security, but you want to be the best. What about marriage? What's the cost of having the greatest marriage? What's the cost of having a, the greatest family that you can have? It means you have to sacrifice certain things so that you can experience all that God has for you and your wife or husband and your children. And you're willing to sacrifice everything for that cause. Because here's the reality. Greatness comes at a cost. And if you think it doesn't, ask those around those who are the greatest. Ask Michael Jordan's children. Ask Tom Brady's wife. I'm serious. Ask those who own some of the biggest hedge funds in the world. At what cost did it come for them to achieve that? And this is where we have to be very careful because we allow our egos to get in the way, including myself, including myself. What are our motives? What's our agendas? And so this is what Jesus says about greatness. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. How many of you like that definition? Come on, anyone? No one. I just saw one person raise their hand, right? No. If you want to be great, you have to learn to serve everyone else. He didn't say a few. He didn't say certain individuals. 
He said, if you want to be the goat, you have to learn to serve everyone else. But here's the problem with that phrase. To be a servant has nothing to do with with our world. There's nothing good about that word. It literally refers to everything that we are told to never become and push away and have nothing to do with. Servanthood feels like a form of slavery. Is that fair to say? Right? To be a servant means that that there's someone over you and it's your job and your expectations to do everything else for them above yourself. And Jesus is saying greatness comes in learning to lay down your life for another, your emotions, your egos, and even what you choose to pour your time into. That's what greatness is. Learning to put others above self, which includes your emotions, your ego, and even that which you choose to pour into. And once again, the balloon is popped. Because when we think about Jesus, we always think about the big things he had done. Amen? The healings, the deliverances, the big speeches, the big talks, the platform. But when you really study the Gospels, all the greatest things that Jesus had done was with the least of these. The poor, the sick, the downtrodden, the leper, the prostitute, the adulterous person, the person who was kicked out of community. But what we do is we look at these things and how he restored these individuals and said, that is awesome. And the disciples had forgotten that all the greatest things that Jesus ever did was with the least of these. And and I love, like, what he does next is he does this, because you can even kind of picture it. Jesus is sitting down. Peter, kids were running around. We forget that some of these disciples were married. Many of them had children. Peter more than likely had children. And this is what Jesus says, and I can just picture, like, like, running around, kids running around. And he says this. Then he put a child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. Want to be my example? Come here. Come on up. I love this guy. He purposely sits in services to hear me preach. Come on up. Jump on up. Okay. Tell everyone your name. Caden. Caden. What's your favorite sport? Baseball. Who's your favorite baseball player? Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. Of course he is. Who's the greatest of all time? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Wow. Daddy taught him well. <laughs> Daddy played college. Daddy played college baseball, right? Did you play college baseball? Oh, I thought you did. So he taught you well. So come here. Okay. Mind if I put my arm on your shoulder? Jesus takes Caden, Peter's son, and he said, if you want to be great, learn how to care for them. Learn how to care for Caden. Learn to take care of Caden. 
Learn to train Caden up in a way that one day he will learn to be a follower of me. Because that's what greatness is. You see, right now, as much as Caden is a strong boy, right? Great athlete, handsome as can be, right? Look at this blonde hair, blue eyes. Like, dude, you're a stud. You know that? <laughs> He's still at a place of complete vulnerability. What grade are you in again? Third. Third. He's in a complete place of vulnerability. He's in a place where he can be taken advantage of. He's at a place that people don't want to hear his voice. He's at a place that everything he does to most people around him does not matter. Amen? Right? Little baby cries during church service. What everyone's thinking is, can you please get that kid out? Especially if they're sitting next to me. It's true. I see it. I see it. I see when kids run around and they bump into someone and the coffee goes flying in the air. Like, whose kid is that? And like, oh yeah, that was mine. Right? But, but for Caden, the greatest is this. Learning. Learning to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Greatness is learning to find value in those who don't know what value is. Greatness is seeing the potential in someone in 20, 30 years that will change the world. Hopefully more than ever you will do. And when you have the ability to see others above yourself, that's what greatness is. And I love, like, like I really believe, are you okay up here? Yeah. Am I making you sweaty with my arm on you? No. no. <laughs> I love how Jesus always used that which was before him. Because there's probably Peter's kids running around, knocking things over, being annoying, Nerf guns flying all over the place. And they're like, come on, Jesus, you're trying to teach us something. He's like, greatness is this. Learning to care for and love those who have no idea what love is, have no capacity for caring for themselves, and they are the least of these. You may be seated. Good job. And I want to say this. That's why it is so important for you to plug in the kids' men. I'm serious. Every one of us should be serving in kids' men for at least one service a month. Because you have the opportunity to practice greatness. Do you know that? Every single one of us, whether you have children or don't want kids or can't have kids, you have the opportunity to pour into a young person's life. So how do we do this? How do we do this? I, I just want to read some scriptures. It's going to pop up. I'm just going to read them. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Even that kid who broke your window with their baseball. Love them as yourself. Don't look, at, at only, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. 
Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. Yes, if you know a kid who needs to go to college and you have extra funding, you have an opportunity to shape their future. How awesome is that? To do what is right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So, basketball tournament, 2023. Kansas State goes further than they have in the last however many years. Their head coach, they beat the first round. And they make it to the, the past the first round, and they are in their interview of the coaching and of the athletes. And this is what he said. And I tried to pull this clip off, but it was from Instagram, so I couldn't put it up here. He said this, first and foremost, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Remember, millions are watching. And he said this, coaching is my job. Ministry is my calling. I am called to serve these kids, to make them better. To grow them into young men who will one day be amazing husbands. That's greatness. To be able to be on the biggest athletic stage at this season of the athletic world. And for him to say, no matter how far I go in this tournament, the only thing that I am called to is to raise these young men to know Jesus and be amazing men in the future, and one day be amazing husbands. And you know what God did? God lifted him up at due time. And when we understand what greatness is, God lifts us up in due time. When you put your priorities under his priorities, you know what I, how I said that? When you take your priorities and you put them under his priorities, Jesus will allow you to experience your best for how he created you. That's greatness. Look at what, look at what Nietzsche said. Nietzsche said this. This was what Nietzsche said, and this is kind of like the world's statement. He said, will to power beats in the heart of every human being. Not willpower, will to power beats in every human being. We all desire greatness. We all want to be great. I want to be great. You want to be great. We want God to be the greatest. But the problem is, is that when our ego and our will gets in the way of Jesus, we miss out on the very reason why God created us. Jesus said true greatness is this, serving one another. True greatness is this, learning to serve those who cannot serve themselves. And he used the example of a little child. When I was in college, I, I played college sports, and I had the privilege of playing with many, many good athletes. Um, my one buddy went to K-State. It's pretty cool. So whenever I kind of cheer for K-State, no matter what, because my, my buddy played football there. A couple of my buddies said, hey, man, you got to work at this camp, kids across America. He's like, that camp will change your life. 
It's a camp in Branson, Missouri for underprivileged kids. It's an urban setting for kids. Even though we're in the dead of the woods, all these poor kids are scared to death. And they said, this will change your life. And the whole theme of the camp is, I'm third. I'm third. And their theme was God first, others second. I'm third. I'm from Bergen County, New Jersey. I'm as suburban as suburban can be. And I was dropped down into a culture that was so foreign to me. But God used that camp and those kids to change my life. And for two summers, I had to just learn to serve those who were never served by anyone. Fights broke out. It was a violent place. These kids had no love, no control over their, over their thoughts or their actions. And for two summers, I had to learn, how do I put others above self? So why is this so imperative? We're getting to Easter, and we're getting to the Easter message. And the problem is, is after we get to Easter, we have this, this, this high, this holy high. And then we go back to life. And, and during Lent or during Advent, we, we take two C's and we say, all to Jesus I surrender. A month or three I may give to you. But when reality, Jesus is saying, I want you to learn to do this every single day of your life. And before he goes to the cross, he says, this is what's going to happen. And this is what greatness looks like. If anyone wants to save his life, he must be willing to lose his life. And just as the goat gave his life for us, Jesus wants us to give our lives for each other. Yeah, you may be battling at work. You may be battling at home. You may be battling with relationships you have. And I bet you one of the things that's standing in your way is your ego. And not just, someone just went, ooh, right? <laughs> is your ego, and not only that, is that you expect them to serve you. You want to shift everything? You learn to be the greatest and start serving those around you. Start serving those around you. Start acting. Start behaving. Start following, following the model that Jesus gave us. That true greatness puts others above self. Revival is not going to come because of some great worship service. Thank you. Revival is not going to become because some pastor gives the greatest message in the world. Matter of fact, the pastor at Asbury, for the Asbury Revival, he texted his wife that morning and said, I just dropped the ball on that one. Another one down the drain. And thousands of people, because their hearts were right for what Jesus wanted to do in them. You want to prepare your heart for this Easter season and the rest of your trajectory? Be like Jesus. Be the greatest. And you become the greatest by being the least. And as you learn to surrender your lives to Jesus, God will lift you up. 
Amen. Amen. Let's take some communion. Your communion cups are on the, fr the front seat ahead of you. What a great example. Jesus took the bread. And this is what he said. He said, this is my body. And then he said this, broken for you. Broken for you. In other words, I'm going to continue to teach you the lesson of greatness. My life for your life. So before you eat, I want you to say today, Jesus, I'm going to learn to give my life for others. And if you're willing to say that, I want you to eat. Let's eat. And then he took the cup of the new covenant. And he said, this is my blood poured out for all. The only way we can ever learn to live and love and serve like Jesus is if we have the new covenant. And the new covenant is the Holy Spirit. So I want you to say, Holy Spirit, help me to learn to put others above myself. Let's drink it. Let's stand and worship. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.